We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. I visited New York City for the first time when I was 17 years old. The friends I was staying with lived in Garden City, Long Island, and we certainly explored Manhattan, but I begged them to take me to Coney Island. You see, I had been fascinated by roller coasters and amusement parks since I was a young child. Coney Island is key to this history and really was where it all started. Many of the innovations related to amusements were invented and prototyped right there. The importance of Coney Island in this regard was well known to me as a child. It did not disappoint. While its heyday was clearly long gone, there were glimpses and shadows of the past peeking out everywhere. I really enjoyed it. One of the most impressive things I saw, and will really never forget really, was an abandoned roller coaster right in the middle of everything that clearly had not been used for years. Its wooden steel structure had full-grown trees right through it. It was the Coney Island Thunderbolt, built in 1925. I was only 17 years old, but I remember looking at its dilapidated structure and thinking, At one point, this roller coaster was brand new. There was probably a big party when it opened. They probably had an opening event where everyone came to celebrate this new source of excitement, thrills, and joy. It was new. People rode it, enjoyed it, and conversed about it. I'm sure it was the talk of Coney Island for who knows how long. But at some point, that excitement ended. And those same steel beams that supported such intense emotions no longer did. The protons, neutrons, and electrons that make up the steel had not changed. But the value of this thing had. Things are just things. And they can remain essentially unchanged and concurrently very much change. My guest on this episode of Eager to Know is an artist with a unique relationship to things, to found objects, items with very little perceived value. These things have helped him heal and express himself as an artist. Aiden started collecting things as a teen when he explored a couple of abandoned hospitals on the north side of Chicago. This foraging was the start of a creative journey. Myself and a few friends would go into this building and kind of explore it. And, you know, I was a freshman in high school. And uh, long story short, a friend of mine uh, passed away in a fall in this abandoned building. While you guys, so, while you were there, I was not there um, at the time, but it it really affected me, you know. And um, so after after he fell, they they boarded up the building, you know, and they started this whole push to tear it down. And um, I actually deliberately, I, I broke that phone. For some reason, it felt like the thing to do. And, As um, a way to like sort of terminate and move forward type of thing? Yeah. And I, I ended up with, with feelings of, of real regret over that. And I got it into my head that if I could go into this other building which kind of symbolized the same thing to me. 
that I would find some sort of closure. Okay. So, did you? It's been a long process, you know. I would say so. I think that that experience uh, changed the way I looked at artwork and photography because, you know, my first experiences as a photographer were really coming from a very strong emotional background. So I was not trying to make art and I wasn't making pictures to show anybody. I was trying to recapture something that had been really painfully lost. And, uh, you know, I think that's influenced the way I work still because I really try to um, express myself. That's a really interesting story. So you kind of, you had this experience that kind of, um, you sort of stumbled into being a photographer and an artist mm -hmm. as a way to deal with something that happened to you. Um, yeah. That's that's interesting. And um, so we had abandoned building, second abandoned building, um, and then you mentioned that you're, that's influenced the work that you do now. Can you tell me about that, like the work that you do now that's been influenced by that experience? You know, I've been, I've been making these kind of collage style works in my room. So a, a lot of the items I use in these collages are things that I've found in these abandoned spaces, you know, and those were two of the first buildings that I really explored at great length. But uh, for a couple of years, I would actually go um, almost every day. I, I would spend a lot of time in the west side of Chicago, south side of Chicago. Uh, when I was a part-time student in community college, I had like one class in the morning and then they turned me loose for the day so uh you know i'd go into these places and I'd, I'd find these little items and just be really moved by them partially because i i knew that they were they were not really meant to be saved you know it's like they'd been they'd been left behind for whatever reason and They're, they have no value they have no value people thought yeah. they had no value little or no value but you know the the aesthetic quality that I usually came to admire from these things um, was was due to the progression of decay, you know, because they've been left in these pretty hostile spaces. And um, I started finding items that were really very sentimental, you know. And Like what would be a sentimental item? Um, I found a lot of small uh, religious paraphernalia, you know, Crucifixes, uh, love letters. I think that's so interesting. That that's so that's really interesting because a crucifix, someone was probably um, using that as they. Who knows what they could have mm -hmm. been experiencing in their life that they were relying on that cu that crucifix for a yeah. sense of comfort um, or a love letter. You know, like right. it's so meaningful. And but it, like you said, it's been thrown away. And it yeah. has no um, perceived value. I think very implicit in that, you know, is that contradiction between what makes something worthwhile to keep. And I feel like, you know, sometimes I have mixed feelings about even taking these things mm -hmm. because they're not mine, you know, <laughs> in a very real sort of way. They don't. They they were not supposed to belong to me, but. Um, you know, something about 
I, I don't think of myself as being on the outside too much, but I make my art, I think intuitively, and I do it for the experience it brings me. So even to do something like we're doing now, you know, to speak about my art in front of what could potentially be an audience or to show work, um, kind of challenges my nature as an artist because, you know, talking about uh, personal trauma is something I would not usually conceal exactly, but not broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, so the more I've developed as an artist and decided this is something that I would like to dedicate my time doing, mm -hmm. it seems like that's a bridge I have to cross, you know. So when you are collecting stuff, is I assume that is part of the arc of the creative process, the collecting, yeah. the foraging, and then you bring it back to your studio or your home. Um, and so that whole process is, it sounds like you're, you're very comfortable fulfilling, et cetera. But then there is the, the sharing of the artwork. Is that not as interesting to you? Is it more about the, the creative process, but not the um, sharing it with the world? Did I understand that correctly? There's elements of sharing it that I do feel very good about. And um, it kind of depends on the context. I really like handing out drawings on the train. <laughs> I really well, like giving drawings. To so wait a minute. So where, tell me about that. Um, so you just have them, you have a portfolio full yeah. of drawings and you are just dishing them out. I, I, I sketch pretty compulsively, you know, and I usually carry them around. And uh, I've met some really good people that way, you know, because I feel like <laughs> I, I have way too much stuff. I mean, I, I really, collect things very compulsively and uh, sometimes unhealthily. So do I dare ask what, where do you keep all of this stuff? <laughs> well, I, I live now with my folks. Okay. I, I lived for two years with uh, my romantic partner and um, <laughs> when, when I moved out, I, I must say I was astonished with the amount of stuff. It was dispersed in a way that it kind of looked manageable. Right. But when I packed these things up, I was I was really shocked with the amount of shit. And um, you know, if I throw anything away, I actually I'll take pictures of it first. I, I feel really um, it's very difficult for me to part with things because they're all very sentimental. Everything I find, I feel like it's it's an intimate relationship between me and that item. And um, one of the few times I really feel connected and involved in reality or in the moment is when I'm really holding and interacting with an object. I think, you know, when I look at my relationship to items, I think it's different. I think a lot of people, maybe their self-esteem is more contingent on having those things to show. I don't usually feel as connected to things that I've purchased because I mean, I feel like anybody can can buy right something. Right. right. Um, I think yeah. I think a lot of people are. Um, it's their value is based on having yeah. a really nice car. Um, it sounds like you're there's some sort of connection or warmth um, or something that you're getting from mm. the, these found objects. Yeah, I mean, I think it's there's definitely a discussion to be had about value, and I think. 
I don't know if I, if items have. I think the the value of an item is going to be dependent on who who owns it, you know, and what they're using it for. And this is with a lot of the things I have. There's no there's no apparent usefulness to them, you know. They're they're not something you can take and use to accomplish a task, or uh, they're not they're not tools per se. But a, a lot of times when I collected these things, and this again is long before I did any you know photo work or. I, I kind of had these images of these items kind of coming together on this stage, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I remember being being a really young kid at the Art Institute and being really moved by the, um, I guess it's, this guy makes these, these boxes full of shit. You know, they're like broken glass and birds and um, old wood and stuff. They're masterpieces, and I would look at these things and think, you know, each item on its own might not necessarily be interesting or even unique, but it's in the combination, you know, that they form. Do you, okay, yeah, that makes language. sense. Do you do you feel that way um, about when you make these? I think of them as collages. I don't know if you use that word. Yeah. Um, do you feel that you are taking things and in pulling them together, you're creating like more value? I keep that that word keeps coming up, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would definitely, you know, I hate to toot my own horn. That's one of my, my least favorite things. I try to keep a very humble view on the work I do because um, a lot of my favorite work is like, I, it's not really made yet. You know, I haven't really showed it yet um, or I don't know the point. So a lot of this stuff, you know, as I've gotten more involved in the art world or whatever you want to call it. I get a lot of people asking, you know, what does it mean? And uh, I never really had to think about that. I never really felt inclined to think about that. And, uh, you know, it's it's challenging to me to discuss it in that context because, I don't know, it's like a lot of the things I've taken with me, I don't think it would be realistic for other people to understand why they're important to me, because I don't even quite get it, you know. Um, so I've actually only started doing these kind of collage style things a little more recently, but. All right, I'm going to ask you a weird question. So if for whatever reason you were the only person on Earth, so there was no one else left to share your artwork with, I mean, would you still be getting as much satisfaction out of collecting, assembling, photographing? if it was just you? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out for how much of this is, how important it is for the yeah. for you to it to be received. I don't know. Um, I think I would be more happy showing my work if I felt like it were better. I think I envision a future for myself where I have developed some confidence to the point that showing it is as rewarding as making it. But it is not there yet. But, you, th there but yet. you think it will be? I, I hope it would be. I think I'd need a lot of help, you know? And I think it's funny because kind of a big part of my process, you know, is the, the sheer volume of the things, the disorganization of the things, the sentimental value of the things. And as I see it, these are things that kind of work against me actually putting it out there in the way that would be expected or acceptable. So 
meaning it's too just it's not as buttoned up like per, it's not buttoned up in a way that would be receivable yeah by people. it's very disjointed um is, do you think it's just a matter of just doing more more of it doing uh what i mean is um what i mean to say is doing i always use the the example of snowboarding like if you sure. want to become a better snowboarder the only way to yeah, do it snowboard. is you just get to keep snowboarding so is yeah. it the same thing like for you to get to a point where the confidence level is such that you would feel wonderful about presenting mm -hmm. it is it just a matter of doing it and more and you think that you will get there you know i make a lot of work and a big criticism that is delivered to me when I ask for it is that I have too many things going in too many directions. Okay. You know, so kind of coming back to the collage, and I hate to go in a circle, but that has been one of my attempts to take things that are on different sectors of my practice and meld them into a single frame to kind of make get people to shut up. Okay. Um, is it working? I don't know yet. I just started. You know, I think it is. I like the collages. I've been happy with them visually. You know, when I look at them, I think this is pretty cool. And it's taken, you know, I had to buy a printer. I had to get ink. Sometimes I print at my school. I'm not like really supposed to. Um, and it's, it's taken developing some wherewithal that I don't think is really native to me. Yeah, you know? skill. You gotta learn some new stuff. Yeah, and a lot of my art is is kind of naive, you know, and again, I say that's that's part of the appeal for me is like, you know, coming from this really kind of uh, pure creative place, I guess you'd call it. Um, but, I've you know, I've taken drawing classes since I've been a kid, you know, I, I haven't paid close attention, but I go to the art institute very regularly. I'm I'm pretty literate when it comes to contemporary art, and uh, I'm not I'm not ignorant to art in general. But I I feel like there's a risk of of getting too involved in that element because my, in like in like formal art training. Yeah, because my biggest fear is kind of losing the uh, the essence, I guess. That makes complete sense yeah. to me. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I feel like I'm using weasel words a little bit, you know, but um, that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, yeah, that makes, that makes sense to me. So tell me about your drawing. I think, th did you have formal training in drawing? Um, and tell me, t just tell me about some of your work and yeah. where that comes from. So I, I did. I mean, my, my art teacher, when I was, when I was a young kid, I, I would go to these drawing classes at Shield Park. This guy's name is Ian Sherwin. He's actually a really good Chicago artist. I would recommend looking into him. But um, I don't think I ever really wanted to follow the directions, you know. Even at a pretty young age, I, I felt maybe reluctant to. Uh, Meaning you wanted to do your own thing? Or it was like, you're telling me to do this, so I wanted a... I explicitly want to do not that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I was really rebellious with a capital R, but I definitely felt, and that was one thing I liked about Ian, you know, he had a very well-trained formal hand, but his work was very, um, very free, very surreal. And uh, I liked that. I liked the idea of that. And uh, so, you know, I've, I learned, I was taught to draw from observation, to draw slowly, to measure proportion and stuff 
I didn't really do a lot of those things moving forward. And a lot of my drawings, I think of them more as like, kind of like diagrams because, you know, I'll, ha I'll have an idea and it'll come from this kind of byway in my mind and I'll think, if I don't write this or draw this, I'm gonna forget it. And then I usually start by writing and then sometimes just the aesthetic of the hand writing kind of leads me to, to a more um, narrative style of a, of a drawing, but. Are you drawing from observation? Or you are, no, it sounds like you're drawing from an idea. I'm usually drawing from an idea, but I'm taking this drawing class right now. I'm taking a, at Northeastern where I go to school. It's, uh, it's like figure drawing. And it's really tough for me, you know? I mean, I think. It's really hard for everybody. I mean, figure drawing is, the, yeah. is really difficult. I think I can draw, I mean, I believe I can draw realistically, but I, I begin to draw the figure and then I just like, I'll fill up the page with, with little writings and quips or shapes or, you know, drawing, drawing academically and in a way that I see as static is, is pretty difficult for me. Okay. Just to stay on track. So do you have you a know? lot of, so is, do you have a lot of thoughts in your mind and you use the page to sort of let them come out? Fucking outrageous amount of Okay, so there's just a lot of brain activity. <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay. I'm really straining right now to keep very calm, I think. Okay, yeah, no, that makes I sense. Mean, I'm the same way. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I can relate. And a lot of people that I talk to, like obviously a lot of creative people are that way. That's how some people yeah. are wired, and that can be a, that's a good thing. I think it's a skill, you know, to be... Um, presentable you know I think I'm pretty eccentric in general and there's there's situations where I don't feel the need to hide it like I don't think it makes the energy I put into being a, fu a functional member of society doesn't always seem like it matches with the um the point I don't know if that sentence makes sense but it's not it's not worth the trade-off <laughs> <laughs> no it's not and like I, you know, so I, is the artwork a way <laughs> to channel that? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, channel all of it or a little bit of it. It it probably challenges or it probably channels a good third. You know, I always imagine myself continuing to improve as an artist, and you know, my idea of artistic skill is the ability to effectively represent. A, a thought you know or a concept or an image okay so that's one thing I, I liked about photography at first it's a very direct way of making artwork because once you take the image you have the image but then you know with drawing um, there's there's gives and takes you know and I, I have some ideas that I feel like drawing would be a lot more effective way to well, yeah. So if you're saying that art, like art to you would be representing, a, you know, a thought in your brain, I guess, to the rest of the world. To me, it sounds like drawing would be uh, tactically the best way to do that as opposed to photography. Yeah, it could be. I mean, but, you know, I think of I think a photo in particular is more of an interactive process with an environment. So I think there's there's more of an interplay when it comes to photography between me and whatever I'm doing so you know in that because sense, you're set because you're setting it up type thing or what do you mean yeah like you're taking it you know like if I'm taking a picture of the wall 
the wall is doing half the work, I guess. That makes sense? Yeah. So sometimes I feel like if I see something, sometimes it just makes more sense to shoot it. Sometimes it makes more sense to draw it. If I need more creative flexibility, that's something that I think drawing can achieve uh, much better. And lately I've been trying to make more work that really blends those things. Like I've been doing a lot of black and white darkroom prints and then I'll hand color them with colored pencil or watercolor and draw on the print. And then in the future, I might like to cut from those and put them together, you know, or maybe light them in a way that they have a three-dimensional quality. So to kind of give the art its own say in the process, you know, and not really try to steer it too hard and swim against the current because the more work I make, I feel like whatever I've done previously kind of influences the next thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the most wonderful moments is like kind of watching something unfold before my eyes, you know, and that can happen in front of the camera. That can happen with a drawing or a painting um, or even just looking through the dumpster. Sometimes I find something. Yeah. That's like, and, so, and sometimes it can, it ha well, it usually happens unexpectedly mm -hmm. and it can happen really quickly. I know I've definitely had this experience with paintings where I'll be working really hard on something and it's going fine. And then I will do something with a couple strokes yeah. and like literally the entire thing just comes together. It'll change. And it changes immediately and yeah. it's amazing. And, um, but those, those moments don't, don't always happen. Right. You know, people with much more uh, wisdom and experience than myself have told me to be, be present, you know, to show up for these opportunities and that, you know, as long as I'm available for them, that they'll come, you know? So for me, that means I have to draw regularly. I have to photograph regularly. And um, I need to be involved in the creative process because, you know, it is a process and that's that's an element of it is, is kind of being uh, observant. Do you think a part of it is um, paying attention to reality and what is actually happening? Um, as opposed to distracting ourselves. Yeah, I have a hard time with reality sometimes, you know, and I, I think that's that's one of my biggest uh, wishes is just that I was a little more on the ball. And I think as I've gotten older, it's become easier. And, uh, you know, I specifically, going back to formal drawing, I signed up for that because, like, I thought it might help to get a little more connected to what's really going on instead of just living in my own head. It forces and, you, uh, drawing definitely forces you to look at reality. It forces you to look at reality. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for uh, having having some, some say in what the reality is. You know, I think it's okay because we kind of shape our own realities, you know, and my reality might be a little more abstract than some people's, and I think that's okay. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm really young. It's, I think it's gonna be a while until I have a really firm grasp on what artwork and creativity really means to me. Mm -hmm. But I'm more comfortable now than I had been before with allowing it to unfold because I, I enjoy what I'm doing. You know, and for a long time I felt uh, more intimidated than than pleased. 
with the idea of, of making artwork. Yeah. And uh, that's gradually starting to change. All right, good. What would you say to people that are like listening to this um, who are not exploring creativity um, in the way that you definitely are? Is there anything that you would, uh, tips or suggestions or ideas that you could share with them? I think creativity and art making can be a very practical way to heal and to grow as a person. And um, I think the intention is important and not to worry too much about the product because the act of making something in and of itself can be much more enjoyable than having something to look at, in my opinion. And not everybody would agree with that. But, you know, if somebody is not working creatively, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's not for everybody, but I think there is a, a deep potential in all people to make something very beautiful. And uh, that's a gift, you know? I think it's important to use, use those things that were offered. Um, all people? You think all people have, have it in them? I think so. I think it's buried a lot more deeply in some, you know? There's people where it is brimming on the surface, and then there's people where it might be very, very, very deep in the core. But I think creativity is accessible for everybody, and that there's, there's so many ways to do it, you know? So for some people, it might just be doing a good deed, you know, that might be their performance piece for the day. And for some people it's painting a meticulous masterpiece, you know, but I think there's a lot of room for interpretation, you know, and to kind of challenge the idea of what it means to make art, you know, is, is important for me. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you. This was great. I'm really Thank glad you. that I'm glad that I didn't know you before we started this because <laughs> yeah. it was awesome kind of to learn more about you live. Yeah, we'll person. do coffee sometime and I'll loosen up a little bit. All right. I'm very glad that I've taken certain creative risks in putting myself out there mm -hmm. because that is out of my comfort zone, you know, to show my work, to speak on a podcast, to do to do a gallery shedding. But I think it has made me look at my own work differently than I would have if I had just kept it in a dark sock drawer. Mm -hmm. So I would maybe encourage other creative people to do that, you know, to put a, some exposure into their work, even if it's in a small scale, you know, if only to change the way that they look at their own work, because I think it has, it has done that for me, you know, and it's been a valuable process. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's kind of a universal principle mm -hmm. about anything. I mean, I think that if you are, if you keep everything close to the vest or, or to yourself, right. there's a safety and comfort and it's yeah. very, there's low risk. Um, and as soon as you open up yourself, whether it's getting in a relationship or trying to make a new friend right. or, um, sharing your artwork with others, there's risk associated with that. And there's Absolutely. feelings and thoughts and all the stuff of just being a person that's going to happen. But um, there's, that's the only way to, I, at least I feel, to move forward mm -hmm. and keep things progressing is by connecting with other people. Absolutely. I think that's an important... Um, but it's always going to come element. with crap. Yeah. <laughs> that is for sure. That is the unfortunate truth. But... Life goes on, and I mean, 
I, I think, I don't know. I, I make my artwork to be happy and I'm, I'm glad when that's the result. It doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Sometimes I'm very disappointed with it. Of course. But I, I have to remember that, you know, this, for me at least, is a labor of love. And um, I think that's that's cool to have that. Not everybody has that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I do. And okay, good. Share it. My name is Ricky McGuckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 